and welcome to episode two of our OR Talks podcast. Today we'll be introducing two guest speakers, ooh, exciting, to discuss a never give up mindset and answering all your VAT questions. We've had many, many of those. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Neil Seeger and Mark Jovanovic. This episode has two parts. To begin, we'll be discussing motivational topics for Never Give Up Day. But if you'd like to get straight into the facts and hear about VAT and hear from our VAT specialist, please skip to 90 minutes 30 seconds. So welcome to all our new subscribers and thank you to those who have already subscribed and thank you for supporting the launch of our very, very exciting new podcast last month. We've had some brilliant feedback, so we thank you for that. And please don't stop giving us feedback because it's what makes us better. Yeah. So you've probably noticed we've got a guest with us today. Hello, um, I'm Rachel Smith. I'm one of the associate partners here, and I'm now being interviewed by uh, Phil and Holly. <laughs> I'm this morning. <laughs> don't confuse them. I'm not so. telling you which one's Phil and which one's Holly, though. You're after we'll now. You've got, no, you got no choice. You identify us. Yeah. It's got to be Neil's Phil. Yeah. What, that, okay, okay. Well, that's because I'm the mature one. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Absolutely. So, Rach has very kindly said she's going to come in with us today um, to answer a little bit, a couple of questions about your career yeah. from apprentice all the way up to associate partner. What has been involved in that and what you do to, to date? So, where did you start? So, my journey started obviously five years ago. Um, no, um, 19 years I've been at OR. No, so yes. yeah, clearly, no, 21. that's what I'm saying. I've been here a few years now, five. Okay, I'm not going to be here for my 20th. Um, so I came in fresh faced, 18 year old, straight from my uh, A levels, and I was lucky enough to get an interview at our Bromsgrove office um, with Julian Dyer, who's one of our senior partners. So completed my A-levels and I've always liked maths, um, always liked problem solving. So I thought, right, what, what's out there? So all my daughter came up, off I went in my little for my little interview, first one I'd ever had. Um, and went really, really well. Um, had a good interview with Julian. I don't know if I should say this or not, but Julian said to me I was the best candidate he'd had that week. Um, of all the candidates that he'd had, I was the best one. You're the only one that week as well. That is exactly <laughs> what he told me. So I get the job, I start, and Julian admitted to me that I was the only candidate he'd had. But lucky for him, I'm still here 19 years on. So um, I absolutely love my job. Um, I love OR. It's absolutely amazing. So many opportunities. Um, and it's quite hard because you go from your... A levels straight into a job and my first thought was um oh great I've got a job start earning some money and don't have to do any more exams and then boom I soon realized another seven years to go but what I loved was the support that I got um of learning on the job and then also they obviously put me through my exams was just second to none so for me I always knew the career I wanted to go into because I quite like numbers problem solving so it was the right decision so I started my job and I went through the path of AAT I'd yeah. never been to university um, got quite good A level results so I started my AAT but what it helped me do was to learn on the job and then also get some downtime to study it was just amazing because the balance was sort of good so I did my AAT progressed through and then decided to do ACCA um, which was another step up again. But again, the support that I got on the job. So at this point, I've completed my AAT. I've done three years. So I'm actually on the job doing really well at that point. I'm learning a lot. Um, I'd started dealing with a lot of clients where I had to do a lot of accounts from scratch. Um, and then as I progressed through, did my ACCA. Um, that took me four years, became fully qualified. And I've moved through the practice. Um, I've got from... a question. Oh, oh yeah. With, with, with your study, yes. was that self-study? Was that a college? Was that a, a university? How, how did you do, How did you study? Yeah, so back in the day, um, it was, I used to get a day, day release. It sounds a bit strange, da doesn't day it? Release. Day yeah. release. So I used to go off to uh, Bromsgrove College and I used to do my AAT there. Um, and you'd get like the whole day off to go and do that. 
and then I'd sit my exams, sort of like like a school academic year really, sit my exams and then that was my AAT and then ACCA was a little bit different because we use Kaplan, which is the same as now. Um, oh, okay. And that was more a switch between sometimes I'd do a few days there um, and then I'd come into the office and then that's how I did that. But it was really, really tough and you have to really, really dedicate your time. Yeah, yeah, you're all in in, aren't you, with 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 a study? Yeah, I think you can't I think just dip you've, your toe. you've got to understand when you're taking on a career, which gives you amazing rewards, is that you've got to personally invest your time. So the company will give you a lot of support, but you've got to be quite self-driven and quite self-motivated, and you've got to understand that it's okay to get things wrong, or it's okay that you might struggle throughout some papers. So I'd never failed anything in my life before. I'd always passed things, done things quite well. Yeah. And when I'd started my ACCA, um, I did actually fail two of my papers. No, I you did. never failed, no. I did. Don't believe it, do not believe it. I've told everybody now. She scratched that bit out, or she yeah. did that bit No, yeah. we'll have it in, we'll oh, have it okay. in time, okay. because okay. you have to sometimes fail or do something wrong to then learn and get it right. So that, for me, has been massive in my career. Ah, so anyone listening that started listening to hear about VAT questions and wonders why we're talking about apprenticeships, yeah. well, actually, because it, the theme of it is never give up, and yeah. hence there you never go. gave up. No. And do you know what? I didn't know you. I didn't actually know you. No. Do you not know? Never, 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 ever, ever knew. Never. And I remember I got ever so upset because my exam results came through, and poor Julian, he had to comfort me, and he was like, Rachel, you're 21 years old, you will fail things sometimes, yeah. and you have to learn to get back up and keep going. So I did. Ah, um, it's true that's how you respond yeah. to the failure, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Afterwards, isn't it? That's what matters. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Most, so, motivates you, doesn't it? It drives you on. Yeah. yeah. And that's why part of the reason I love doing the job I do because I I like to help people and I like to watch people develop and do well in their job because I've been in the practice for so so long and growing through myself. Um, I like to reinvest that into who we're bringing through. Um, and that's a big thing for me. But it's not just your external training. It's here as well, how I've progressed internally here isn't just down to what we've done from a external training point the, of view. On the job training? Yeah. Yes. So when you were studying, were you studying with other people at the same time, at the same level as you? Or? Yeah, I was at first. So when I did my um, AIT, it was quite good because you bounce off each other yeah. and we were all supporting each other, which was great. Um, and I found AIT, I think because of going and doing my A-levels into AIT, I found it not too bad it was okay you have to put the work in but it was fine then I got a bit of a shock when I started ACCA because yeah. it's just a whole nother level up again yeah. um, and my manager at the time um, we we were both sort of doing it and it was really nice to have somebody to bounce yeah. off um, and then because I had my little slip um, I ended up carrying on by myself then but I'm quite self-driven, I'm quite self-motivated, and I knew um, when everyone was going out, I remember everyone was going out and enjoying themselves, I was like, no, I can't, I've got to do my exams. Yeah. But now, further on down the line, I'm sort of getting the benefits of that. So what, so what, so you've obviously finished your exams, got qualified, yeah. Yeah. and then, and then, so where, where, where did you go from there? Where... Yeah, so when I qualified, um, I'd sort of my experience matched where my qualification was. So I was a good senior level in the practice and I was preparing accounts, um, putting some of them through to the partner. So they would then deal with the clients. Um, and I'm, I'm quite driven, I'm quite ambitious. So I thought I need to push myself on now. Um, and I was always, when I was training, I always thought when you're qualified, you've you've done it, you've, you've done it now, it, yeah. you've made it. And actually I had a real big lesson to learn. So um, Pete, Ormrod, he said to me at the time, actually, Rachel, you're just starting your career now. You've, you've not done it all. You've got a lot to learn. I thought, yeah. okay, yeah. That, that's great. So because I wasn't studying, I could I was so, solely focused on more of the on-the-job training. So I then became a manager, um, and that's where I started to review accounts and look at different sort of larger accounts and get a little bit more exposure. Um, and then I progressed my career through managing, uh, managing people, took on a team, um, went off and had my children, so I had a little break. Um, I wouldn't say break, probably <laughs> a different period, but I had nine months off my first child, came back, straight back in, um, still reviewing accounts. Then I went off for my second child, and then I stopped after that. Um, and then I came back, and I was lucky enough that I got the position to oversee sort of the whole accounts team, um, and I was enjoying my role. 
and the partners have just always been so supportive in that we you don't have to stick through one path so when I came back after having my second child I was a bit of a crossroads in my life because I sort of got to an age where I wasn't too sure what I enjoyed I wasn't too sure where I was going to go and I didn't know what to do so I thought well okay let's have a reassess and I'm lucky enough here that people listened and they thought well what am I good at what do I need some help at so I decided that I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep pushing and that's what I did so I was lucky enough to go into an associate role and I started to take on my own clients then in the practice and starting to advise my own clients and look after them. But in addition to that, um, I started to look at the commercial side of the business. and So our business? Yeah, yeah all my yeah, daughter, yeah. Um, and look at what we did well and what we could improve on. And because I've been here for so long, I could use that skill set to... I want, like I said, I want to make it a good place for everybody. We have a lot of clients come in and I want to make sure we service those clients well, but at the same time we're doing it in the most effective way. So I went down a bit of a new path, um, lucky enough to progress through, and then I've become an associate partner in the practice. So I pretty much look after majority of the departments here, but I also have my own client base as well. And I love it every day. It's a varied role, isn't it? It's interesting. Yeah, very varied. Um, Is any day ever the same? No. And when you turn up in the morning, do you ever expect what happens during that day? No. Yeah, so, so that's, um, that, but that doesn't that, that makes it... so. And then the things you've learned on the job training effectively, yeah. uh, that's not in your qualifications, actually, yeah. that helps you with us as a business, as well, my daughter, and also helps you advise your clients? Yeah, absolutely. There's not a day I don't learn something new. There's not a day I go home where I've not enjoyed what I've done. Yeah, I have challenging days, like we all have challenging days, but I just love the job. I love the exposure. I love that no day is the same. I love that I could help a client, but at the same time I could help a staff member because yeah. they might be struggling with something or, um, yeah, everything's different. And I just, what I love is there's just so much to learn. Yeah. And we're all a team here. So I learn off everybody and every department. Yeah. I think that was surprised a lot of people, you know. A lot of people think accountancy every day is exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like, hearing you say that will just start surprising me. Yeah, and I think eyes. I think we all have a perception of an accountant, yeah. don't we? And I don't know, do we? I think what, we what's do, the perception yeah. of an accountant? I think it's not, yeah, I think it's a bit different to reality. But yeah. what I know is we like to help people and I love to drive people's businesses with them and help them. Um, anything we can do to try and help that. But I think how we've grown here as a practice, what we do internally also helps us then with advising our clients externally. Absolutely, we, we, le we learn from our own successes and our own failures yeah. as well. Yeah, because we're a business, so they might be the end yeah. of the day. So. I think what I would say is never be afraid to make a decision and get it slightly wrong, um, because otherwise then you do give up and the easy thing to do is to just give up. And if I'd have done that, then nearly 20 years on, I wouldn't have the career that I love and I enjoy. But to get to where I am today, it's taken a lot of hard work and, and sacrifices too. It's not all been plain sailing. No. I think sometimes I think no. people do have this perception that, that accountants do have it easy and we just yeah. sort of bob along and it's all right. But actually, we do have our own challenges and our own, you know, don't we? Yeah. With, with exams, with, with, with um, business, with everything, really. Yeah. I think COVID probably showed that a lot for a lot of people. And I'm sure like entrepreneurs, as much as we did, we had to make a lot of changes, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. I think the last two years, I think for everybody, it's been a challenging time. But what it's done is I think it's made as a business of stronger. And I think individually, I think it gives you even more fight to get back up. And I've loved helping all of our clients as well, because some have sailed through and some have found it challenging. And yeah. I think having a team around you that have the same mindset, it, it just drives you forward. Yeah, I think I think it does, doesn't it? And I think that's the, one of the big things here. We've got such an amazing team, yeah. and no matter what level you are, whether you're you're a partner, whether you're an apprentice, all the way through, everyone is one yeah. one team, yeah. and we're all Absolutely. here for the same cause, aren't we? Yeah. Ultimately, definitely. And you going through every stage as well probably helps as well because you know what it's like to be at that level. Yeah, you've gone all the way through. Yeah, and I think that's the important thing, isn't it? When you've done it yourself, yeah. you re you know you really can help and advise and and other people. You can understand what they're working towards. Um, what I would say is this career of accountancy, taxation, audit, you really can't give up because it, there's so many times for your career you feel like you the easier option is to. Um, mm. But it's just, it's, it's a great career, great opportunities. Um, 
and I love every part of it. So if I was at school and I wanted yep. to become an accountant, yep. what would you tell me the best part of your job is? Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> I'd say, probably what I'd say now would have been different to back then. Um, and I'd say, if you're somebody that likes problem solving yeah. and not scared to try and find a solution, that's what accountancy actually is. It isn't just sitting adding up on a calculator, no, is what no. a lot of people think. People think it's just numbers, don't they? Yeah. Um, and I think you have to have a lot of self-drive and a lot of self-motivation. Um, and at that age, for me, I went into it because I really enjoyed uh, numbers. I enjoyed people. Um, and I think with accountancy, you you get a lot of opportunity in practice to speak to a lot of different people. And I think mm. it's good. I'm quite a people person. So for me, that was good. But equally, um, there's lots of different routes for you. So yeah, it's not all, it's not all client facing. If you, the opportunity is no. there to be client facing, no. once you get to a certain level. But I think that once, I mean, from, from my point of view, I think that we've got, you, you, if you're, some people are very, very good people, people. Some people are okay with people, but actually are probably more technically gifted than, than yeah. maybe myself. I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Yeah, but, I think. Uh, yeah, I think as accountants, if you if you've got any interest, it's just have a look at it. You know, look online. Look at AAT. Look at ACCA. Look at ACA. Look at local practices. Just see what's out there because it's not always what you think. Um, and don't be scared to go and have a look. That's a righteous top tip. It's not always what you think. No, no, not always what you think. It's not. It's a little not bit like today, you guys. <laughs> what yeah. are you talking to, Phil or Holly? There. No, I think I think you're right. To be fair, and you know, it, it is a definitely it's a, it's a profession, it's a career. It's not a it's yeah. not a five minute thing, is it? No. And actually, at any point, you don't have to always go fully charged to be successful. No, absolutely that's, not. That's that's one thing that I when I joined, I, yeah. I didn't when I joined the profession, I didn't know that. No. I thought you had to be chartered to be successful, and you don't. Yeah, I think I didn't really understand what accountancy is. I think it's really difficult, isn't it, at sixteen, eighteen, yeah. to know what accounts yeah. is. So I think mm. you've just got to be, I would say, open minded, and give yourself time to adapt from sort of a school and college environment to a work environment. It takes time, but you'd never run your own. If you join a firm. You know, like us and many others out there, it's having the support network is really key. Yeah, that's yeah. what's important, and just give it a go, and you know, yeah. you might enjoy it. And the other thing I didn't, we didn't say actually, I didn't say sorry, was obviously our apprenticeships. Um, but obviously, there's at any point in a career, we do also take people on here that may have decided oh. a career change, um, and later on through there their journey they yeah. may decide they want to go into accountancy that's also open here um, and graduates as well we do a graduate scheme too and do so we i just thought i'd touch on that just as i'm about to go <laughs> oh so that's rachel's party yeah. line yeah is an advertising basically you have lots of opportunities so <laughs> but, if ever anyone's thinking about the accountancy career um, audit taxation um yeah or even if they're already qualified. Yeah. We've got opportunities for, for, yeah. for qualified. It's not just apprentices or graduates. We've Absolutely. got opportunities everywhere. So, yeah. Get in touch if you want to talk about <laughs> apprenticeships then. And uh, have a chat with Rach. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Have you got any inspirational quotes before you go? Oh, I'm about not never person. giving up. Oh, Neil, you can't be asking me for inspirational quotes. You must have one. Oh, I think I'm just inspirational well, myself. Mark, I don't think I need Mark a quote, do I? I mean, mine would be from like the New Zealand All Blacks because I love my sport. So, yeah. uh, there, and I just love their ideology and how they've carried on yeah. being successful. So they have these like 15 mantras yeah. that they go through to like keep themselves at the top. And um, one of them is when you're on top of your game, change your game. Like that. Ah. So you don't rest on your laurels, you continually. I love that. Thank you, for, thank you for talking yeah. to us, right? We really, okay. really, really Thanks do appreciate it. Really, really appreciate it. So we'll be on to our nice back question. Yeah, which, I, don't worry. It's time for me to go. Don't guys. worry. That's, we'll that's uh, that's not you, but no, we yeah. appreciate your time. No, no problem. Thank you very much. So that was Rachel, our associate partner, discussing her never give up mindset. If you're enjoying our OR Talks podcast, please hit subscribe or leave us a review to let everyone else know how amazing we are. Okay, let's welcome our second guest. So you've probably seen that uh, we've swapped 
Um, we've swapped Rachel for David. Yeah, much more attractive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah. If you're watching the video, my apologies. Uh, if you're not watching the video, um, we'll, uh, we'll reserve comment on that one. Yeah. So, so, so David's a very lovely VAT friend who knows a little bit about VAT. Just a little, a little bit, yeah. Little yeah, bit. yeah. We're going to find out now, aren't we? Yeah, we are, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. ask me anything I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which could be quite a lot. So, so if it's not on the script, you'll ask Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It's all right, it's on the wall behind the camera. We've got those written on there. All we've got to do is you've got to match up the question and the answer. I can manage that. Yeah. So what we thought we'd do is we've got a couple of questions that from myself, and we also asked people on our previous podcast um, to write me some questions, sure. okay. So yeah. we take we had we had quite a few come in, um, and what we've done is we've broken them down, and we've sort of asked the the ones that we, we were asked sort of more oh, more okay. commonly. Yeah, okay? yeah, fine. Yeah. So so it's a bit going to be a bit of a question answer session for you, for yeah, you yeah. really. So I'm, I'm so, happy with that. so yeah, do you want to ask a question, Mark? Yeah. So um, let's start nice and easy. What is VAT? Oh blimey, how long have we got? We're going to brief, brief. We've only got half an hour left. We'll have a break, break now. Uh, yeah. No, it. it VAT is basically, it was something that was introduced back in 1973, uh, and it's really a tax on, on transactions, really. It's, it's supposed to be a tax on the final consumer. So, so most things that you buy um, as an individual uh, will have VAT on. There are certain exceptions, which I, I won't bore you with now, but, but generally speaking, it's a consumption tax. So anybody who goes out and buys something, generally speaking, will be paying VAT and, and, and VAT applies right through the chain. So it's like from, let's say, a manufacturer to a wholesaler to a retailer and then to you as an individual. So VAT is on, on that chain right the way through. And as I say, there are there are exceptions, um, certain certain things like if, if you take an example like food, generally, there's no VAT on food uh, or children's clothing or something like that. But generally speaking, VAT will be in that chain and you'll end up paying normally 20% back. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Yeah. No, it isn't. It isn't interesting. <laughs> it, it is <laughs> interesting. It's a thing that we that we, we we try to avoid, but we can't. It's going to take kind of escape, but is it? No, so, no. I think that's it. And and for any new business, they they, they need to think about that. Obviously, for, for people, particularly businesses who are supplying to the final consumer, they need to think about how that's going to impact their business. Because if they become VAT registered or have to become VAT registered, then of course it it might bump their prices up quite yeah. considerably. So we try and make sure, obviously, that people who are thinking about registering for VAT don't jump in with both feet too early, if, particularly if they're you know, in the retail sector or to, to the final consumer in some other way. Um, but, but a normal VAT registered business will obviously be charging VAT and recovering VAT on their costs associated with that. And it's a fairly simple mechanism, really, that they, they submit these figures every normally three months to HMRC and say, these, here's the VAT on my sales. These are the VAT on my purchases, and the difference is either paid or, or reclaimed yeah. with HMRC. So it's a fairly simple process, but people who are supplying to final consumers just need to think a little bit more. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I suppose it can make them uncompetitive if someone else is in fact registered in there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Very yeah. much so. Getting like like we deal a lot with you know maybe maybe a sole trader who's involved in I don't know he's got a plumbing business or something yeah. like that and and for them VAT registration's not great because suddenly their prices are going up and they don't want to do that quite yeah. obviously you know so um but they, they may have no choice you know it depends if their business is doing well and it goes over the, the threshold of eighty five thousand. then they're forced into it anyway so the eighty five thousand is the threshold is it so yeah that's your sale isn't it that's it, that's it, how much you, you it sell is it. it is and it's and it includes the, the eighty five thousand includes anything uh, that will be subject to the standard rate of that or the reduced rate of that, or indeed anything at the zero rate. You know, I mentioned the children's clothing and food and things like that. They all get wrapped up into that eighty-five thousand. Yeah. And if you hit that threshold for that combination, then then you need to register, or, or at least think about registering. Yeah. But if I've got something that's exempt from VAT, uh, that's, yeah. that's not included in that total. No, rate. no, that's a good point because, um, for example, if you look at things like um, residential property letting, for as an example. The income from that is exempt from VAT. So if that's your only source of income, you can't actually register for VAT because that income is just exempt. Um, but if you are supplying things that are both taxable and exempt, you might still have to register if the taxable bit goes over the 85. 
And then you have a mix of things going on. So just to complicate things, if oh, I was, yeah. if I was, a, if I was, <laughs> I knew we would. I knew so, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 so if I was, a, if I was a car mechanic, for example, I yep. had an MOT bay. Yeah. So I'm doing repair work on yes. cars, yes. and I'm also doing MOTs on cars. Yeah. My MOTs are exempt from VAT. Well, they're, actually, they're not. Um, they're, they're outside the scope of VAT, which is a different. Oh, thing. that's oh, no, no complicated oh. things now. No, no, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 no, no. <laughs> No, but no, they're outside the scope. But but to take your example, if I stick with the property sort of analogy, if you've got somebody who's I don't know, let's say they're renting out commercial property, yeah, and and uh, they they are charging VAT on the rent for that, which I I can talk about in a bit. But if they're also doing residential property, um, they've got a mix of things going on there because the residential yeah. is exempt and the others VATable, uh, and then you get into the realms of you know. Uh, they, they have to look at their their, their battable turnover, not the residential uh, turnover. Right. Okay. So it's a bit of a yeah, bit of a mix. Yeah. And so yeah. the eighty five thousand like threshold then is that an enrolling year or? It is, and this is the other thing that people get confused with. Um, is yeah, quite right, Mark. It's it's they have to look at it every month on a rolling twelve month basis and go back twelve months to see yeah. have they hit the eighty five thousand. It doesn't. It doesn't automatically mean that someone has to register for VAT if they hit the eighty-five, but they have to then talk to someone. It, let's say, for example, they've done a really big job during the year and it's pushed them over the eighty-five thousand, but the following year they'll fall back to where they were before. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. sixty, seventy thousand. They can apply then to HMRC and say, look, you know, we've gone over the eighty-five, but it's a very much a one-off, uh, and we're not going to do it again. So can we be exempted from registration? And, but they have to do that. They can't just carry on and ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> most people do. And that's where we're really lucky to have, to have someone like you that we can come and ask a question to. Yeah. You know, because pe- people, people you know, don't have that luxury. Yeah. No, so people no. will bury their head in the sand and, and just ignore that. But it is really no. important that we do apply that. Oh, no, absolutely. And you're right. You, know, you get quite a few, I get quite a few inquiries like that saying, oh, you know, I went over the limit like, you know, two years ago, but um, I didn't do anything about it. What do I do now? And I'm saying, well, you've got a bit of a problem there because you haven't informed the revenue. And if they want to be difficult about it, they can say, you know, you have, you, they have a 30 day window in which to notify the revenue. Right. Okay. And if they don't do it, if the revenue want to be difficult, which they often are, um, then, <laughs> then uh, they can say, no, I'm sorry, you've got to be registered right from that period till now. Yeah. And pay all the VAT. And pay they, all the VAT. they haven't probably charged their customers exactly so. all the way through. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So that's a, that is a problem. Yeah. yeah. So not with any tax, really. Don't, don't ignore it. No, don't exactly. Don't, yeah, yeah. No, no, don't ignore it. No. And, and, and again, that's a lot of the situations I get involved in is, uh, is people not, not thinking about what they're doing, you know, what front. So... The registration thing is a good example of that because people, I don't know why it is, but people don't often keep keep a real tally on that. They just, you know, they they get to the end of. They often think it's like the either their accounting year or the tax year. Yeah, I was going to say. They look at different years and and it's not. It's like you said, Mark. It's a rolling twelve month thing. Yeah. So yeah, they've got to be really careful. Yeah. It's easy to miss, isn't it? It is very yeah. easy to miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. So one of the questions we had come in <laughs> was, do you pay VAT? Yeah. On things you buy if you're self-employed. Do you buy, pay VAT on? Yes, you do. Um, yeah. So if you're self-employed, uh, yeah, you will. You'll pay. Let's again, if we take the plumber as an example, if he's buying in materials and so on, uh, then he'll be incurring VAT. He goes to the you know the builders, merchants, or to Wix or wherever he wants to go, uh, and he'll buy materials and he'll be paying VAT on that. And the only way he can get that VAT back is if he is VAT registered. So. But in some cases, it's still better for him if he's not over the eighty-five thousand to absorb that as a cost. You know, that's a gross yeah. cost, and you'll, you'll get some, hopefully, get some tax relief on that as well. But, but the uh, money you tell me probably. Can't so you, 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 you need to hustle like that. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to pass it up. We weren't getting that. Pass it over. Pass it over. But uh, no, so you're right. Yeah, so he will pay VAT, and then he's got to look at that and think, well. If, if he's in a business where let's take the old plumber as an example again, if he's not if he's not doing a lot of private work, if he's doing like a lot of commercial work, yeah. and if he registers even before he reaches the eighty five thousand, if he's charging that, they, it won't really matter because the the business that he's charging it to will more than likely be able to recover it. So then he can register if he wants to voluntarily and get all of that back on his materials, and that would be better for him. So yeah, he needs to look at his customer base and think what's best for me and keep an eye on his turnover. But 
if he if he's supplying to business to business, it's probably best that he registers um, you know straight away uh, to get the VAT back. And in fact, mm. funnily enough, um, even if he hasn't registered for let let's say he let's say he his turnover is like seventy thousand and he hasn't registered and it's, he's doing most of his work for commercial clients. Um, if we come to look at it, it may be possible for him to go back up to four years and register for that retrospectively, recover all of that on his materials, but he's got to then be able to agree that the customers will accept a, you know, a late VAT charge on what they've yeah. paid him. But mostly they will because they can recover it again. Yeah, so, so no one's losing out. Yeah. No, they're yeah. not losing out at all. So, but, but, but for, the, yeah, for the individual, yeah, he needs to, to look at his customer base Keep an eye on the eighty-five thousand. If he's doing business to business, then probably think about registering voluntarily. Yeah. So, moving on to the next question. This no, time, blows no, up quite no. nicely. This does. Yeah, no, no, right. So, someone decides they're going to register for VAT or they've got yep. to. Yeah. Can they then claim all the VAT back and all their costs? Obviously, they can't. Yeah. No, uh, no. There are some exceptions, actually, Mark. There are there are some some notable exceptions, which are, um, say, for example, if they're going to buy a car to use in their business. Um, then uh, normally, uh, unless it's a pool car, uh, they can't recover the VAT on it. So there's a restriction that just says if you're going to use a car, except that if it's only for business use, there's potentially a way of recovering it. But if it's for a mixture, they're going to use it You know, in their business, they're going to yeah. use it privately. The rules just say you can't have any VAT back on the purchase of it. D different if they're going to lease it, they can get 50% of the VAT back on the leasing of it, but purchases are no-no if they're going to use it privately. Yeah. And um, the other big one, I suppose, is, which you actually don't come across too much, but is business entertainment. If they decide they want to take you and Neil out for a slap-up meal, nice, which yeah, is uh, yeah. un unlikely, but you know. We're, we're, we're happy, we're happy. Any invitations are happy, we're happy. 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 That general that goes for anything for normally they can't claim for non-employees. There is an exception. Strangely, I don't know why this is, but for overseas uh, customers they can claim, but nothing in the UK for non-employees. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Well, on yeah, the subject yeah. of cars, uh -huh. what happens? Well, I've got two questions actually. Yeah, yeah. What my first one is kind of kind of like back on a van if I, if I use it within uh -huh. my business. Okay, and if uh -huh. I use it privately as well. Uh, yes, is the answer. If um, if they're buying a commercial vehicle, a van or a lorry or a transit van or whatever it may be, um, then they can claim, as long as they get a proper VAT invoice, of course, that shows that there's VAT on the purchase of it yeah. uh, from, a, from a, a, a VAT registered supplier, then, then the answer is yes. It, it, there's no restriction, strangely. Again, HMRC don't enforce, even though they might use it privately, they don't enforce that. They say, well, well, we'll allow you to claim the VAT in full and not account for any private use at all uh, of, the, of the vehicle. Interesting. Um, yeah, and there's and sometimes there's a, a close divide between, you know, you've obviously come across this, I'm sure, what is a car and what is a commercial? I was going to yeah. ask that, yeah. So, oh, well, yeah, yeah. So okay, like a double yeah. cap pickup. Yeah. Is it exactly. always on the border, isn't it, with all taxes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. it is, yeah. And then it'll come down to things like, you know, the, the, the actual weight, roadside weight of the vehicle. Yeah. I can't remember what the phrase is now. It's like, yeah, payload, isn't it? Payload, that was yeah. it, that was it. So it'll come down to what's the payload of the vehicle. That might tip it into being commercial. Yeah. And then you can claim the VAT, uh, whereas if it's the other side, you can't. Nice and simple. I'm glad we cleared that one up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <everyone's laughs> <good>. <laughs> the other question, yeah. even though that one's a two-pronged question, yeah. is can I claim the VAT back if my car is electric? Oh, yeah. Now, I've had a few questions on this recently. I don't know why people suddenly think, I suppose because it's a new, fairly new concept, yeah. isn't it? And they're trying to push it so much, aren't they? Yeah, they, they are. Much, yeah. Yeah. They are, for, they are but... very much. But the answer is no. Same, same rules as for non-electric, really. So, yeah. Um, they can if they if they if they for example have an uh, you know an electric charging point installed say at their business they can claim on that or even at home they can get an apportionment of the value just on, on the that. charging point yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but not on the, not on the vehicle unfortunately no, if but... if it's going to be used privately as well yeah yeah same yeah. rules so same. if it's a poor car yeah regardless it's electric yeah diesel yeah. petrol or any other fuel you can yeah. put in it yeah you can you, you, you can, can claim it back you can claim it back but 
But you've got to be able to demonstrate that it is a pool car because yeah, HMRC will ask exactly that. They'll ask for evidence that it's you know being used within the business and there's a restriction on it being used privately. Yeah, and no one's got exclusive use of it. No as one's well. got yeah. exclusive it's, use. Of it. It's yeah, quite exactly. hard to like. Very difficult. Strict. Very difficult because yeah. people will say that to me. They'll say, "Oh well, I bought a car. Um, I've got. I've already got another car, um, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to use this purely for business." And I'll say, "Yeah, but you've got to be able to demonstrate that. You know, you and, and HMRC say, you know, if there's any, not even." Have you used it privately? It's can you yeah. use it privately? So even if you haven't used it bizarrely, they'll still say you can't have a VAT on it. Yeah, no, it's, so, it's uh, quite, yeah, it's quite quite straight that, isn't it? it really? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a line and go over that line. It, then it is very much no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there are benefits to electric cars, but not with VAT. Not with VAT as yeah. usual. Uh, There's no benefits <laughs> at all with VAT. No, so, yeah. Spoil sport, David. Very much sport. Talk bad news. Well, 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 we will go to a later podcast with Mark, and we'll talk about actually the, the nice things about ah, electric cars. Yeah. But uh, it's doom and gloom today, yeah. unfortunately. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah. We have got some TikToks coming out as well, which talk about electric cars. So, TikTok, David? Or? Uh, no. No, 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 I'm not. No, no, to be fair. No, we, we're but... not. We, we, we will be though. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look out for those TikToks. I shall. I shall look out for them. No, I'm not. I'm. I'm not that savvy with TikTok to be honest. Yeah. We'll get you on there. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. There. you can yeah, talk yeah. about vans and cars. People and... <laughs> 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 switching off. <laughs> <laughs> if we put you on like a little dance or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. So then, um, another question that's coming then is about VAT reverse charge and what that actually is. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. Are you thinking, well, there's quite a few reverse charges. Are you thinking of the one on the construction industry? Yeah, one? Yeah. domestic reverse, oh, yeah. reverse charges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, this was, I don't know why HMRC didn't do this some time ago, to be perfectly honest, because it, particularly in the construction industry, um, a lot of businesses were, were acting fraudulently from a VAT point of view. So what they do is a contractor would um, send send an invoice to uh, another business with a, a false VAT number on it. Uh, it might even not be false. It might be one that another business has had before and has just been cancelled. And they'd use that VAT number, charge VAT to the business. As soon as they got the VAT, they'd disappear off the face of the earth, you know, and, and right. never pay that VAT yeah. over to HMRC. And uh, that happened an awful lot. It's still happening, but it's happened an awful lot. So what they decided finally is they were going to say, if you're... Um, like if you're a subcontractor and you're supplying to another main contractor, for example, um, rather than you uh, sending an invoice with VAT on it, which they might not get back, they've taken that away and said, you, if you're in the chain of transactions with it, like a main contractor, you don't charge VAT, you tell the main contractor that it's a, this thing called a domestic reverse charge. The main contractor then has to account directly to HMRC for the VAT that's been that would have been charged by you. So let's say you send an invoice that's £2,000 and there should be, <coughs> excuse me, £400 worth of VAT on it. Um, the main contractor now has to include that £400 on their VAT return as VAT payable to HMRC. Okay. They can also claim it back, so there's no, there's no net loss to the main contractor. But for the subcontractor, their invoices mustn't show VAT if they're in that chain. Uh, and that takes away the, the risk of the subcontractor not paying it. So does that only count if I'm CIS registered? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's a good point to make now, again, because there is, if you look on the HMRC website, there's some quite good advice on there about what, what's included and what isn't. And if you look at the CIS guide, because it's only transactions that are covered by, by CIS that are subject to the domestic reverse charge. So, so if you're unsure, there's a good guide on there. There's also a good CIS guide that you can look at what sort of transactions are covered under CIS. Um, if you if you meet both of those, then you're in the domestic reverse charge. But if they're not covered by CIS, you're just under the normal normal yeah. VAT rules. So, the way I've been the way I've been looking at it, and you yeah. can, please tell me if I'm wrong here. The way mm. I see it in really really simple terms. Yes. Don't laugh. It's really simple. Okay. So if I've got an invoice, okay. Yes. So I'm a, I'm a subcontract roofer, for example. Okay. I'm going to do it for a big contractor. Yeah. I raise my invoice. I put CIS on it. Yeah. Okay. Or deduct CIS, whichever yeah. way you look at it. Yeah. Well, then that, that at that point, I'm VAT registered, there's no VAT because it's reverse charge at that point. Absolutely. So if I, and then just just because a lot of people out there will, will um, invoice with materials yeah. and labour. Yeah, yeah. So, if I, so the way I've seen it is if it's material materials and labour, yeah. at that point, domestic reverse charge, I'll have a little bit of CIS on that invoice. Yeah, yeah. But obviously I'll have materials on there as well. So yeah, at that yeah. point, am, am, am I domestic reverse chargeable? 
or you, not? You, you are because they, they say it's, it's one supply. Um, so even under CIS, there might be a slight difference from the VAT point of view. They've said, you know, that's a, a domestic reverse chargeable transaction because it's one supply. Right, it's all okay. wrapped into one. So yeah, so regardless if it's an invoice has got materials and labour on it, if, yeah. I, if I raise an invoice for labour and then materials, yeah, they're yeah. two separate supplies. Two separate yeah. things, yeah. Right. If it's all yeah, on yeah. one invoice, it's yeah, one yeah. supply. Absolutely right. Because okay. right. a lot of people, that question comes in, I mean, to, to, to me, I don't know about you, Mark, yeah. but it comes in a couple of times a week. Oh, does it really? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, okay. really, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's really, and I, I never thought of wording it, one supply. That's yeah, actually yeah. quite a good way of explaining it. Yeah, I admit, though, it is quite confusing, I must be honest. I get quite a few inquiries. People still don't really understand how it works, you know, and, and, and main contractors and subcontractors are in dispute saying, well, it's covered by domestic reverse charge, and the other one says, no, it isn't. And yeah, so, but, but that's a good example because, um, uh, yeah, that should be, if it's regarded, if it's one supply, it, even actually if it's on separate invoices, if it's under one contract, for example, you could, so you can't artificially split it, is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, separate, if they're separate completely, then you're quite right, it, it doesn't, or the, uh, the materials bit uh, doesn't. But but you can if it's under one supply, then it, it normally gets wrapped into, into CIS and the domestic reverse charge. Because then you end up having a battle between the subcontractor yeah. and the contractor, because the contractor's accountant says one thing, and the subcontractor's yeah. accountant says another. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be saying, well, actually, you can collect, you can, it's it's all reverse chargeable. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though on the materials, they're going to claim the battle. Like obviously, the, sub, yeah, yeah, the subcontractor yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. won't, and they're saying, no, no, no. No, yeah. it's, it's all VAT. So then we end oh, up with no. it. So you've got the poor subcontractor going, well, I'm going to have to do it with, with the VAT because yeah, that's yeah. what I'm told yeah. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it just... So yeah, that's your first TikTok, I reckon, you know. Do you think so? We can yeah. say it's... Here it is. Here it is. Yeah, Ready to go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're right as well with the main contractor, you see. Then, And I've had this a number of disputes where they're saying, well, we shouldn't be paying VAT on this. The, the, the subcontractor says, well, I'm told I should be charging that. Yeah. And then the main contractor... Strictly speaking, can't recover that VAT because it shouldn't be charged in the first place. I know that sounds bizarre, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. Yeah. but but it, it's it, that's the way it is. And I mean, HMRC have been quite light on their feet with this; they've not really enforced it too much. But I think it's going to change. You know, I think they'll start coming after people and you know saying, "Well, it's been out there long enough." You know, the, say, yeah, the longer things out there, then they start clamping. Yeah, more, they? they do, they do. So um, yeah, so maybe you're right. Yeah, I'll make a dress up and do a TikTok thing. No, you're not the dressing up. So yeah, no, that, that is a really common common question. Yeah. Fair. I, uh, wish, okay. I wish the guys sometimes from HMIG just said this yeah. case, yeah, yeah, that case, yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. the guides are fantastic. Yeah, but, but there's an awful lot of them, there really and, is. and, and pe people out there aren't going to read them. Obviously, no. we read them because yeah, yeah, yeah. we sort of have to. We we yeah. professionals. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you know you. Oh, no, you're right, they're not going to. I mean, uh, and, and so it's best if people just ask. What about the uh, option to tax and why it might be needed? Oh, okay, yeah, no, good, that's a good question because, um, yeah, the option to tax, basically, it, it's, a, it's a mechanism that allows people to charge VAT on either like the sale of a commercial property or the letting of a commercial property. And why, why would you bother doing it? Well, it's because... Normally, a sale of a, a property, a commercial property that's like more than three years old, or the letting of it, if you're leasing it to someone, uh, is, is exempt from VAT, so there's no VAT on the rent or the sale value. But that does normally then mean that you, as the person who's selling it or letting it, can't recover VAT on your, any costs that you've incurred if you've refurbished it or extended yeah. it or something. So the option to tax is a mechanism where a business can, and they have to do this, they have to get the permission normally of HMRC. They would write to HMRC and say, we want to opt to tax this particular property. And they would do that because they're going to be spending money on it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes quite significant amounts of money. And it could be either they've purchased it with VAT on or they're, you know, renovating it or extending it or refurbishing it or something. Um, and in order to recover that back, <coughs> they really need to opt to tax to do that. But it's a, it's a formal process. They can't just... A lot of people, again, just say, oh, well, I'll charge VAT on the rent. Well, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. You have to get go through HMRC and send them a formal notification. Which we can have to support with all that. Oh no, absolutely, do a lot of that. <laughs> so when does the reduced rate of VAT apply to property? Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple couple of examples, well, two or three actually. One, one immediately springs to mind. If you've, if you've um, like if you uh, have got a, a house that you intend to uh, renovate and you want to renovate it and then either sell it or let it out, 
as I said a minute ago, normally that's, that, that sale or the letting of it will be exempt from VAT, so it stops you recovering any VAT on, on your costs, really. Um, but if that house has been, let's say, a uh, house or, or flat or whatever, has been empty for more than two years, and you can get evidence of that, and they will need to get evidence of that from like the local council yeah. normally, um, then what they can do is they can give that evidence to the contractor, and there's a certificate that they can get from uh, a VAT notice 708. <coughs> give that to the contractor, and that basically says, this qualifies for 5% rate of VAT and not 20 so if they can't recover that VAT anyway, it's immediately like a 15% saving, uh, in, you know, without doing anything very much. But they need to, again, do that very early on in the process, you know, not, not much further down the line when they've started incurring the costs. So, um, and, and, and the other one is, it, on a similar vein, it, it, sticking with the analogy of the house, if it's a house and they say, right, I'm going to convert this house into, say, two flats or even the other way around, because you're changing the number of residential units in that property. You can again do the same with the contractor. There's again the same certificate or a, a, a variant on the certificate in that VAT notice 708. Send it to the contractor and say, this qualifies for 5% VAT, not 20. And again, it's just an immediate saving. So what if I'm the, not the, necessarily, I own the house myself, yeah. and I decide not to go through a contractor, just yeah. myself, yeah. and I pull in, and I, I get the notice, yeah. and I get um, my suppliers come in, and you know, my plasterer comes in and plasters my wall or whatever, yeah. and, and, and I claim that, and the invoice doesn't get 5%, yeah. that's fine, but what happens when I go and buy things from B&Q, and, uh, yeah. and, and such like, you know, and other yeah, yeah. like that, because they'll invoice me at 20%. They probably. will, they will, this is the problem, uh, you're right there, Neil, if, uh, if I go to a builder's merchant, and then just buy all the materials myself. They can't. They can't do anything about that. They have to charge me twenty percent VAT. Um, what I say in that circumstance is, if it's commercially possible, if you if you're employing contractors, then fitting that material, see if you can get them to buy the materials if they're VAT registered. They can claim all of the VAT back on the materials at twenty percent, but when they supply and install them to you, they only have to charge five. So immediately again, there's a big yeah, problem. So, yeah. so if I did do it, so, so you know, if I wasn't able to get a contract, get a contract to do that. Yeah. Can I reclaim the twenty, or can I only reclaim five? Um, you can't. You can't reclaim any of it actually. Uh, oh. uh, potentially. So, so that's why I'm saying it's it's it, you need to get it down to five wherever you possibly can, just to reduce it. So the five percent will still be a cost. Yeah. Yeah. But it's better than it being a twenty percent cost. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, so, and sometimes, I mean, businesses do uh, set up their own, what I would call contracting business to actually do exactly that. They'll buy in all the materials, they'll put all the labour through that company and then supply the labour and materials at 5% to the end, uh, their, their yeah, end yeah, company, yeah. you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, can, it can be done, it's, you, you've got to be careful again with setting that up, but it can be done. Um, but if you don't want to go down to those links, that's fine. But try and get a commercial deal where your contractor will buy the materials for you. Yeah, because you can't reclaim that VAT. You can't at all. It's property, yeah. Yeah. but you can pay less in cash terms uh, because absolutely. you're paying five percent. Absolutely, I get it. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. Spot on. Spot yeah. on. It's worth knowing, isn't it? It is. No, it, it is. is. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. And again, it's it's just something that needs to be thought about. I, I keep saying at the outset, rather than if if a contractor's already started billing you. Um, at 5% and you go out and buy more materials yourself directly, it's going to be very difficult to try and change the arrangement then. Yeah. So you need to talk to the contractor right up front if, yeah. if that's the case. Yeah. Definitely. Excellent. Thank you. So sticking with property, um, can I sell a commercial building without charging VAT? Yeah, you can actually. Yeah, If that building is more than three years old um, from, from completion, um, yeah, you can. You can sell it without VAT on. That's not a problem. Uh, but we come back to the situation again about VAT recovery. There's two things. One is, if you're selling that property with no VAT on, if you've got any costs associated with that, you know, let's say, for example, you decide to, you know, do some work to it before you sell it or, or, or any legal fees or professional fees, you, you probably won't be able to recover that VAT. There, there might be a way, but, but, but normally you can't. Okay. Um, the other thing you've got to be very careful about if you is something called um, capital goods scheme because uh, just to give you a very quick example, if I've bought a building and it's cost me more than two hundred and fifty grand plus that to either have you know have it constructed or buy it, buy it or refurbish it or extend it, um, that that becomes something called a capital item and that, and that says you've got to look at the use of that building for the next ten years. So if I 
if I uh, occupy that building myself, um, and that's fine, I'm a fully vettable business, I recover that on it. But if I then decide to sell it, say after five years, um, I can sell it exempt of VAT because it's not a new building anymore. But the capital goods scheme says, yeah, but it's a 10 year adjustment period. You've used it for five years for a vettable purpose, but the next five years isn't. Yeah. So we'd like 50% of the VAT back on on the original VAT that you claimed, which is a is a nasty surprise actually for a lot of people. They don't yeah. they don't realise. Yeah. And I get that a lot. People will say to me, Oh, I've talked to my solicitor, he says, Yeah, you don't have to charge VAT on this now. And that you have to ask that second question. Which which is right at yeah. the start, yeah, the yeah. surface of it, you oh, have to charge VAT yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, no, absolutely. They're not thinking about the thing underneath it. No, no, and they yeah. won't do. The solicitors to be fair won't do. They'll just say, No, well, you know, you've not opted to tax the building, it's more than three years old. Yep. Yeah, you're fine yeah. not to charge that. It's not asking me for the solicitor bits. Or never yeah, yeah, or no, you, no, or no, you. I wouldn't have a charge. Actually, no, 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 exactly. No, 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 we no, do no. what we do. They exactly. do what they do. Exactly, we're all about our own yeah, bags, yeah, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. work together, yeah. So. But the other thing is, again, talking <coughs> about timing, is a number of times I get asked to look at things like that on the day the property's being sold. <laughs> uh, and I'm thinking... That's a surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Commiseration. Yeah. Well, this is it, you see. Then, you know, uh, I, you might still be in time to try and sort it out, you know, making an option to tax, but it has to be done, obviously, before the property is sold. So, yeah, don't, don't, please don't leave it till the last minute is the message, I think. Yeah, I think that's been with everything. Really, so literally, yeah. literally, yeah. 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 I don't want to do it that late. It yeah, just gives me a headache. Not really, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, that's why I've lost all my hair, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, with the questions that we missed out, oh, which was oh. very, uh, very sorry about that. Yeah. So, if, and this is coming more and more common actually, and since we've mm. obviously, since the, the EU stuff has happened, so what if we sell goods or services outside the UK? Ooh, blimey. Um, Open a can of worms there. Yeah, it's a separate podcast, I think. That's <laughs> no, I mean the rules have changed quite a lot, as you'll know. I mean the you know we we left we, we effectively left the EU on the first of January two thousand and twenty one, and there have been various changes since. But and basically what it's done is um, all, all the old rules almost have gone out of the window really. Yeah. So <laughs> it's all right if you like directly exporting uh, goods to let's say to another business in the EU or, or the rest of the world. It's that's still broadly the same. You just get all the evidence of export from the UK and it's zero rated and that's not a problem. Where the big problems have started to arise is well two things. One is where you're supplying business to consumer now within the EU particularly. Um, the rules have completely changed and there are very strict, again, thresholds, financial thresholds that you have to look at as to whether you can A, charge UK VAT, or B, you have to register where the customer is situated. Um, and, and it's more likely to be the latter. Uh, so, and the other thing is, if you're moving, if you hold stock somewhere else in Europe, uh, you have to register for VAT there. There's no, there's no VAT registration threshold for a non-EU business. So as soon as you, the first thing you sell for a pound, you must be VAT registered. Um, the other thing is, and it also potentially applies to the rest of the world as well, is that they might have to register for local sales taxes elsewhere, you know. Um, but the EU, it's a big problem. And, and the other one we come across a lot is, uh, just to give a quick example, I won't go on for too long, but one where I had a business in the UK, they said, oh yeah, we, we bought some, we've bought some goods in Italy um, and we've asked the Italian supplier to send them straight to our customer in Germany. Um, which is fine. Yeah, they handle the goods at all. Like yeah. No, them. no. And the thing is, they've bought from the supplier in Italy and they've taken title to those goods in Italy. This is the UK customer, UK business, excuse me. And they then have an obligation to register for VAT in Italy because ah, they're the ones supplying right. it to so, the customer in no. Germany. <laughs> and they don't, and they think, but why should I have to do that? And, yeah, yeah. And they left Europe. Yeah, the goods are still in yeah, Europe. Yeah, still in Europe. Yeah, but, but we're out. Yeah, we're out. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's not yeah. necessarily where the, where the goods are. No. It's who's actually legal ownership of yeah. those goods. Yeah, absolutely. In Italy. In Italy. Yeah, and it, it's a nightmare. And I've had that so many times. And then the Italian supplier 
if they know what they're doing, will say, well, the goods have never, you know, you've, they've not, they've left Italy, but you know, they've not gone to you, my customer in the UK. Yeah. So I'm going to have to charge you Italian VAT here. Yeah. Uh, and then my client in the UK is saying, well, how can I get that VAT back? And it's a nightmare. It's an absolute nightmare. So again, they just have to be really careful with, with those sort of transactions where they're, they're, and it happens a lot commercially where they're getting the goods sent from one EU supplier to another customer. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very, very common. Yeah. It, very, sounds like, it sounds like it's a very much a case by case basis. It is now, to be honest. It's, that's why I say I could go on all day. I probably I'll catch up. I could go on all day. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It's a huge subject. And, and uh, again, j just talk to us at the beginning and say, well, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm thinking of doing. Rather than trying to unravel it, which is a nightmare. Yeah. Just talk to us up front and then, and then we'll tell you exactly what you need yeah. to do. And the other one, which is common, and it actually wasn't texting, it's one of my questions that comes up. Yeah. It comes up quite regular. So I've got a lot of businesses that are exceeding the back threshold. Yeah. Or they're looking to, they're looking to, uh, they're doing like the business to, they're doing the, like the example we gave earlier with the business, um, like the subby example we gave. Oh, yeah, yeah. Street. So yeah. if they're, so I've bought, I don't know, loads of tools and loads of equipment. I bought a van. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, so tools, tools, equipment in a van. Yeah, yeah. So I, I literally bought those and I've decided actually they've, come to, they've already bought them. They've come to see me and yeah. I've said, oh, we'd, we'd like to go back registered, please, because yeah, yeah. we'd like to, um, because we're in that situation with the, uh, the CIS oh, okay. reverse charges. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can they reclaim the the back back on those, um, those tools and, and whatever they've bought? Yeah, um, that's a good question because. In that situation, uh, again, like if you if that's the plumber again that we talked about earlier on, where if they register straight away, they'd have to start charging their customers that to get that back on that. Yes. But there is a rule. It's a bit of a bizarre one, really. But if they if they keep a, a record of those purchases and they wait until they hit the eighty five thousand pound limit, if they do, um, they can go back and recover that VAT as it happens, as long as it's within four years of them registering for VAT. So they could get the best of both worlds where they wait, they don't start charging back to their customers until they have to register at 85,000 and then they register then and then they can go back as long as they've got the evidence for, to support it, they can reclaim VAT on all those materials and the van and all that sort of stuff without any adjustment. That's why yeah. if I don't wait and I get to 60 and go, oh, I'd like to register. Uh, Again, that rule still apply. Yeah, it still applies. It's just the date you decide to register or you have to register. Yeah, yeah you can still go back. So, <laughs> one more. He's been thinking about this all night. I'm not at me at all. So, what happens if I start off as a sole trader? Yes. I buy the equipment. I buy the. I buy my tools, and my van, and then they come along and see me, and I'm at a limited company. Okay. And then they want to, and then they want to back register as a new limited company, but use their van and tools for their sole trader. Uh, can problem. they kind of back them? Problem then, yeah, problem then. Uh, potentially, you, you can. There is there is a concession that HMRC they're not very familiar with, but where where it's essentially the same business, just change change legal ownership, they might be able to. But generally speaking, HMRC will say no. Different person, different person, person. Legal entity, isn't different it? legal person. Sorry, but that's you, know, you can't do it. Um, there is there is something hidden away in the VAT guidance that talks about potentially making a claim for VAT on those, but very often the answer is no. Interesting, because that's quite that. I bet that yeah. happens more regularly than you than you think. Right. Really, that. Oh, okay. I yeah, mean, no. yeah. I mean, it's uh, it is a problem because HMRC see the two is quite distinct. You know, um, you know, limited company, so sole proprietor or partner, limited company. So you can understand what they're doing. But, but you can understand why people would want to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's still the same van, it's still the same everything. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. A different Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean if they're gonna do that, yeah, they might they might be best to um uh if they if they're gonna if they're setting up a limited company, they might be best to register the sole proprietorship on a voluntary basis yeah. and then transfer the VAT number into the limited company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that way you get the best of both worlds, can't you? Yeah, yeah. But again, case by case basis, isn't it? Yeah, that requires forward planning again. Here we go, here we go. Let's see about these t-shirts. Next podcast, let's see these t-shirts. Yeah, that's right. Think ahead. What's Mark's motto? Forward planning. Don't leave it to the last minute. 
No, but to be fair, that is that is all the questions I've, I've right. got. Have you yeah. got any more, no, Mark? I didn't say no, 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 unless you tell me I've missed some more. No, 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 no. I won't tell you off again, I promise. I, promise. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon it was you that skipped that one. <laughs> yeah, probably, <laughs> yeah. Of course he's playing with me. Of course he's playing with me, I'll tell you. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on, on yeah. David. You're I welcome. really do appreciate um, your comments and your thoughts. No worries. Yeah, yeah. I've learned a lot, so yeah. Oh, good. good. Yeah, good. Good. yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. I've got any more questions either. No, excellent. Excellent. quite good. Not even any more I can make up. <laughs> no, but if anybody's got any, obviously they can get in touch, and you know, you know, one of the three of us can field them, and I'll, I'll get back to the people. There's no problem. So how can they get in touch, David? Well, again, quote him. <laughs> quote him. The famous number uh, <laughs> on the WhatsApp. Yeah, on the WhatsApp, the O one nine zero five triple seven six hundred, or you can email me at uh, davidpeg at ormrodrutter dot co dot uk, um, and that will get through to me, and I'll I'll get back to you. No, brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Thank yeah. you for your time. Thank no, you very much. No problem. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get you back on again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any, any more questions? We'll have <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's ring them. Yeah. What about these? Two pages next time. Thank you very much. For episode three, we will be answering all your questions on tax investigations and HMRC inquiries with a new guest. How exciting! To submit your questions, please text or WhatsApp. Our nice number, 01905 777 600. All your questions will be answered anonymously. We'll also be hosting a new free drop-in session in September. This will be with Anthony Middleton, who looks after all our tax investigations and HMRC inquiries. There will also be a webinar coming soon, so keep your eyes out for details on our social media platforms. Thank you to Rachel and David for joining us today. We hope we've answered all your questions on VAT and inspired you to never give up. Thank you for listening to episode two.